Episode of the Creepy Campfire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me is my other host, Jordan Hearn. Today we'll be talking to you about anything weird. We're talking conspiracy theories, we're talking cryptids, ghost stories, ghost stories, uh, out of body experiences, pretty much anything that's weird, unexplainable, it. that you gotta, there's different points of view to think about it. That's what we'll be doing today. We'll try not to be your typical. You know, throwing that information back in your face with everything that you already know. Yeah. We'll discuss it. And I think more of the point of it is to have two people that have a little bit different viewpoint on things. Definitely. Um, I think, Jordan, you might be a little bit more of a skeptic on some things. I think sometimes I just want things to be real like Bigfoot. Well, I'm a skeptic of everything. Yeah. So, um, so it's going to be fun. So... With that, we're gonna make it work. Yeah, we're gonna make it work. So let's just jump on in to our first topic. I'm going to be talking to you about Korean ghost ships. Okay. Have you heard of Korean ghost ships? Only from you, but I don't. I don't know anything about them. Okay. Fill me in. Um. Well, first, do you know what, like what a technical ghost ship is? I've seen the movie Ghost Ship. I have not. <laughs> I feel behind. I need to see that. Other than that, came out in like. So what's your what's your definition of a ghost ship? What's what's a ghost ship, Ryan? So a ghost ship is technically a empty vessel, um, either with no crew, crew members on there or no live crew members on there, floating around the ocean. Okay, lost so at sea. It doesn't have to be necessarily like ghosts swinging on the bridge. It could just be just a just an empty ship just floating around the ocean, and which there's tons of. Um, Does it look any different? Is it translucent, or does it glow? That depends. Okay. Uh, okay. From the government's point of view, no. Hmm. There, it's just, just your normal run-of-the-mill ships where everyone's abandoned ship for one reason or another, and the ship just stayed out in the ocean. Okay. Uh, but then you've got other cool things like the Flying Dutchman is a story of a ghostly ghost ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also in the Caribbean. Yes, of course. Love, love the Pirates of the Caribbean. Notable mention. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's ghost ships. Um, the Korean ghost ships, they started appearing very recently off the coast of Japan. Hmm. Uh, started in 2011, and by 2017, we had literal, like, couple hundred ghost ships. Like fleets? Yeah, not pulling up all at once, but, like, sporadically throughout the year. But, like, we would have, like, some years there was as low as, like, 40 ships, and some years there was almost 100 ships. Strange. So, like, not not, not a small amount yeah. by any means. Um, well, I mean, one ghost ship is too many, so. Right. And, of course, they weren't, like, well, there, there might be a few stories of them spookily going along the Japanese coast. But for the most part, it's, like, your your technical definition of just empty ships showing up. And they're called Korean ghost ships because the majority of them um, have the Korean national flag in the ship. Oh. Um, have they ever found one that a history can be like traced back on? Um, they've worked on it a little bit. So so the ships that were showing up, um, 
the majority of them had a few crew members on there. Um, they weren't like big vessels. They weren't like huge like cruise liners. Nothing, nothing crazy okay, like that. They were they were mostly like small fishing boats. Okay. Uh, and you'd usually have like two or three crew members on there, and usually they'd be dead. Uh, but the like how frequently these ships were showing up was the real weird aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna play a little video. You know, give a little synopsis on it, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it. While walking along the shoreline of Japan, one of the things you might expect to see are wooden fishing boats bobbing happily along the waves, trawling up all kinds of fish and crab and squid to be used in the many seafood dishes of the country. What you might not expect to see, looming out of the early morning haze, are primitive boats filled with the dead. But believe it or not, over the past six years, this is exactly what the coast of Japan has had to deal with. Along the western coast, hundreds of the boats have been washing up. On board those boats are skeletons. Some are partially decomposed, others are completely decomposed. With some, only the heads remain. With others, only the torso and the limbs remain. The boats themselves are small wooden structures that appear to be both very old and very heavy. The engines of the machines are heavily rusted and obsolete, and the navigation hubs of the boats have no high-tech features like a GPS navigation system. On the deck of the boat, you will usually find a few fishing hooks alongside the rotting bodies of the dead, all of which are dressed in civilian clothes. The bodies all seem to be from men, but are usually so decomposed that being certain is impossible. On some of the boats, you might find the words Korean People's Army and Korean Hangul. This is the military force behind North Korea, and the tattered North Korean flags found on some of the other boats lead even more weight to people believing that these craft did indeed come directly from North Korea. The ghost ships started first appearing in 2011. In this first year, there were 65 boats, then 47 in 2012, and 80 in 2013, followed by 64 in 2014. The boats are still coming, though reports have slowed down and we are no longer sure of the exact figures. The numbers of the dead have also not been revealed, but it is rumored to be in the hundreds. As the boats arrive unexpectedly off the coast of Japan, the crews are gathered and taken to nearby crematoriums where they are burned, and then the ashes are taken to Buddhist compounds. So what do you think of that? Okay, first thought, a cruel, sick joke that Kim Jong-un is playing on North Korea. On North Korea or on Japan? On Japan. Okay. Sending <laughs> ships over. I mean, I guess he could be doing it to... to Poking and Yeah. That's crazy, though. Yeah. Other what, than that, maybe, you know, Barbosa's gold or... At first, the, what what caught my attention was that they were all military vessels. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I did a little bit more digging, and I found out that um, right around the time that these boats started showing up, uh, the in North Korea, they made a large fishing push for the industry. Okay. Um, so a lot of people were flocking uh, to, to be fishermen. And the big perk behind it was they... Any, there was a limit they had to catch for the country because they're a communist nation, but anything they caught past that limit they got to keep for their families, oh. which was, of course, great because, unfortunately, oh, nice. we hear about you know people starving over there, and that's no good. So okay. everyone naturally was doing it. Unfortunately, it sounds like people that didn't know what they were doing sailing-wise were doing it as well. And that's... So it's it's been kind of explained away a little bit, well, I'm just wondering if those, if if that's the case with the with the Korean army, 
um, you know, rhetoric mm-hmm. on it, stuff like that. Um, that's that's kind of creepy. That makes it sound a little bit older, a little bit, a little bit more. Right. Well, and with the old thing, so so when they they made this big fishing push, you could register your boat, even though you were just a fisherman, mm-hmm. you could re- register it as part of the military fleet. Oh. And that's why they had those plaques on there. I see. Yeah. They um, got a reason for everything. Right. Um, who knows why they did that. But, so that kind of traces that back a little bit. Okay. Um, as far as the numbers, it's still crazy to me that that many boats can float just that far. Yeah. Like, even if you got lost in a storm and you died and your boat still could float that far and have that many show up that frequently. Going on without you. Yeah. For me, I was a little bummed when it kind of got explained a little bit. And then they also talked about... Oh, yeah, you want to believe. Right, I do. <laughs> and then they talked about how all the boats were very old. So people mm-hmm. were like, oh, are these like World War Two era vessels? And where did they come from? But so? it's pretty simple of... It's North Korea... They kind of shut themselves off from everybody, so their technology is a little subpar, and that's why they didn't have GPS. And Damn it. It makes sense. It makes sense. It all makes sense. But the one thing that, like, keeps me going with that story is the dismemberment. It's like how they would find just... just, Yeah, what's going on with that? I don't know. That's the one part that no one really has an answer for. Mutinies Uh, were, like, a a trend? Well, but there's only, like, three people on there, so why would they mutiny? You got me. And like it was already a tiny Captain boat. Captain was a dick. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I. You never know. You never know. You're out um, at sea. You know. Only thing I can think of is maybe cannibalism, but yeah, it's a little grim. A little grim. So I hope that's not the case. That's a whole other. That's a whole other story. Yeah, but yeah. So the dismem- dismemberment is Disbound. the only thing that's not really been explained about that. But I still think it's kind of a interesting topic yeah something that shouldn't just be explained away i mean so easily right a little more research necessary yeah i get you so jordan what do you have for us today well um i've been doing a little research on out-of-body experiences in general um those are defined as oh also just to jump in real quick real quick to the listeners Anything we talk about today are probably going to be like full-length episodes in themselves later on. Except the probably the ghost ship thing, because that's kind of a quick synopsis. Yeah. But uh, the rest of this will probably turn into full-length episodes, because our goal, like right now, we're just just throwing an introduction out there Andrew? for you guys, show you a little bit of all what we might be talking about. I mean, you guys got to be into us before you're into the right into the product, you know, the criteria. Exactly. But then the goal for this after on is we're going to take turns back and forth hosting shows, and each of us will have a topic, and we'll just stick to that one topic for an entire episode. And we'll be much more put together. Yes, much more detailed, much <laughs> yeah. more researched, everything. So, out-of-body experiences. Um, okay, so those are defined as a sensation of being outside of one's body, typically of floating and being able to observe oneself from a distance. I might be talking away from the microphone. I'm still getting used to this thing. Um, so I looked over all the different kinds that, that can happen. You know, the near-death experiences, the drug-induced ones. Um, some people claim to see UFOs when they're, you know, when they have their, their experience or, you know, a religious aspect to it. Which is the most believable to you out of all of those? Oh, drug-induced by far. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, 
I also looked in some of the health concerns, and that we're going to go into in a whole other segment, mm-hmm. because I feel like uh, some of it can be somewhat easily explained because of the inner workings of the brain, and you, you, any, anything's a little off-kilter, and, and weird stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, one that really interests me, and one that I actually found a story for, was, was UFOs. So I'm going to go through that right now. Um, I looked up one, and it was talking about this, this crew, uh, this military crew, that was on a helicopter in 1973, in October. Um, they were flying from their home base in Cleveland to uh, Fort Columbus, Ohio. And they were just flying along. They see this red flashing light in the sky beside their helicopter. And then all of a sudden, it comes up in front of their helicopter and like stops them short. They're trying to get out of the way. They don't, they don't know what's going on. So it's like cutting them off, and they're like pumping the brakes, trying not to run into this thing. Yeah, like trying to do it, trying close. to like go above it, trying to go below it. Like it's just it's it's keeping up with them now. Oh, um, strategically so. And all of a sudden, this this green kind of triangular or what they said was a pyramid-shaped uh, cylinder of light, kind of swept over the whole cockpit and like filled the whole thing with a green eerie light. And then. It's so it swept over them. Nothing really happened. Everything was was normal. Then it just that that light went away, and then it just flew. It flew off in the distance and never to be seen again. Um, the weird thing about it, though, is they they get back to their base. Everything's hunky dory. Everything's everybody's safe. They get back to their base, and then some of them start to have weird dreams afterwards. Hmm. And at that time, the military was looking into these out of body experiences and. Um, and like rebirth, and it was it was a big interest back back in the seventies. You know, drugs were a prevalent thing back then. Is that like like MK Ultra type stuff? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Which that'll probably be an episode in itself later. Oh, on. definitely. Yeah, that's 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 got a lot of that's got a lot of content. Yeah. Um, but these guys, these all these guys all get back safe, and they have somebody investigate it, and they're like, nothing, no no aircraft during that time had anything that that looked like what they were talking about. They said it was like a cigar shaped vehicle mm-hmm. in the sky and there's nothing out there like that at that time and especially nothing that's going to stop in front of another vehicle and and cast a green light over it i think it's funny that people don't like i i feel like in all the ufo stories i hear there's like two shapes and eh, kind of three well, it's that, always either a that, saucer that pop up all the time but mm-hmm. it's the saucer which is the one everyone thinks about but then there's the cigar shaped that was actually the first instance i'd ever heard of the cigar shaped thing oh so, I mean, I've always heard the flying saucer sort of deal. I've heard of several sh- cigar shapes. Um, There's so many UFO stories, but... A lot of the UFO stories involving the ocean and, mm-hmm. like, them, like, diving into the water, typically those, from what I've heard, have been cigar-shaped. Underwater? Yeah. Oh, you uh, haven't heard I've about that? I've not looked into those either. Oh, that's, that's a fun one. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so there's... I notice a lot of the cigar-shaped ones, and I just think it's funny that with all the UFO t-shirts and posters, there's no cigar shape. Yeah, flying thing. As like much as you could, you could, you could, you could. That's gold. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, these guys they have they have an investigator investigate it. Um, no, no aircraft at that time matches this description. Um, they start getting calls from government officials asking if they've had any of these weird kind of experiences since then, though. And some of them started started to have uh, between between the calls and the actual incident dreams of of floating above, like them thinking that they're dead. But them floating above their own body and seeing their body laying there, like hmm. 
just you know your typical out of body experience kind of. But is this like not one that I've I've never had one so like they're sleeping and they're seeing their body sleeping or like during the actual. So the so the one specific sergeant um, said that he he felt he looking at his body from above he felt like he was dead, mm. but then he you know of course he snapped back into it woke up, mm-hmm. um, and then another one the actual the actual captain had a, a vivid out of body experience. Uh, that it doesn't really go into detail about, but it's strange that not having had those experiences before, after seeing something already that weird, then the government being like, oh, what else is going on? Mm-hmm. What's happening there? What do you think if, do you think maybe, well, I got two theories. Maybe one, the UFO sighting in the helicopter was part of the out-of-body experience stream altogether. Could be. And then my other one... Dream within a dream. Right. Which I'm kind of leaning leaning toward a little bit more is maybe they're all connected to maybe possibly drug-induced experiments. Like maybe... Well, that was apparently a big thing back mm-hmm. then, especially in the government and the military. Right. People so being subjected to that. Maybe possibly... I mean, they were already, I they want were already, it to be real, but maybe they didn't even see this and like they're just tripping. They were already screwed up, yeah. potentially. Yeah. So they shouldn't be flying, you know, Apaches or helicopters at that point. That's but, true. I, w- I would hope that they wouldn't. Put, but I don't. You know, they might not care. You know. Uh, well, but then again, it was over Cleveland and Columbus. True. So it's kind of dangerous to just throw somebody tripping balls in a helicopter going you would over think. Cleveland. You would think I wouldn't do it. No. No. So, okay. No. But that's just that's just my possible. That's, Explanations. That's just that's just one UFO, UFO story. We have we'll have plenty of those to come as well. Oh yes, oh yes. What else oh. you got locked? Oh, I've got a fun one. Okay, let's hear it. I don't know if you've heard of this one. Which it's got? a cryptid. I it's a very popular one from my old neck of the woods. Okay, first of all, overview cryptid. What is that? A cryptid. Uh, cryptids are. I don't have the actual definition on me, but they're essentially. Animals, layman's terms. Yeah, animals that we think might exist but aren't proven by science. Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Nessie. Gotcha. Yeah, and there's been some that some that have actually been proven. Um, giant squids, one of them. There's probably a couple other, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. So their own sub subcategory is is a cryptid. Right. Okay. Uh, cool. So this one is a little bit more fantastic than something like Nessie that would hide in a lake or Bigfoot that hides in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is Mothman. Okay. Have you heard of Mothman? No. Mothman's a fun one. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, I'm originally from Kentucky, and I spent a lot of time um, in eastern Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains near Virginia and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Is that where he hails from? He does. He hails from... Let me not mess this city up, so if we have any <laughs> listeners from there, they won't get pissed. Yeah, pronunciation uh, Point key. Pleasant. Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant, West okay. Virginia. Um, it's a really fun one because most of the stories of people that have seen him line up. There's not a lot of variation in it. Um, and he has a very limited sighting time. So it's not like Nessie, where people have been seeing Nessie for like 1,200 years now. Yeah. Uh, only for, let me see. So it's like the longest running cryptid, yeah. if anything. No, this one, Mothman was only seen from... Let's see, the first article published was on November 12th, 1966. 
and then the last reported sighting was on December 15th, 1967. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So a very was short he time. Just flying around that area for that time, and well, <sighs> can he fly? He That's can my fly. He can. Okay. Um, there's a little bit of debate on what Mothman actually is because Mothman was given that name by the newspapers. Hmm. It wasn't like someone came in, oh, I just saw a giant Mothman. Yeah. Like, no, they came in with this description of something that stood about. And then it was dubbed. Right. Anywhere from like 8 to 12 feet tall, had gigantic wings and huge baseball-sized red eyes. Huh. Uh, so they didn't come in and say, hey, I just saw a giant moth. This Sounds like something that they turned into like a Spider-Man character. Enemy. Yeah. So like Mothra didn't show up in yeah. Point Pleasant. It was, uh, it, you know, some people have argued it could be an owl. Um, there's actually, hold on, I have a couple different things that people think it might Just be. A gigantic owl. Right. Some people um, think that there, there is the literal moth people. Mm-hmm. And then you have some people that think it's a bird man. And then you have some people that think it's Angel of Doom. That last one is... That's harsh. And then you have my least favorite, which is a mutated bird. Well, I mean, that takes the fun out of it. Yeah, it's too sciencey. I want it to be a Mothman. Right. And then you have, uh, of course, the go-to for every story that we'll probably ever talk about. It was an alien. Yeah. yeah. Back to UFOs. Yeah, always goes back to UFOs. <laughs> um, so this thing apparently was flying incredibly quick. So the first first sighting of it, um, you had this couple driving down the road, and then all of a sudden, they see the Mothman in the middle of the road. Well, the driver books it, he's freaking out, so he, he just guns the car. Mm-hmm. And then this thing is following them right next to the car, going exactly as fast as they are, being clocked at about 60 miles an hour. Okay. And they this just... Is their, this is their... Um... Yeah, this is their telling. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the people's names at this time. Sorry about my crappy research, but this first episode. First episode. There will be a Mothman episode. You'll pass. Don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> uh, so they just gun it to the police station, and they're like, and they tell them what they saw. Uh, and then at first, of course, you know, it was a couple kids in the woods. They kind of blow it off. And then it, stories just keep piling up and piling up. And then what drugs like, were oh, you doing is... while you were out there? Right. Who was driving? <laughs> So then you have all these stories piling up, but the big one, the one that takes the cake, um, so the last reported sighting happened, let's see, was it the day before? Let me see. I don't have the exact date, but he was sighted within a day or two. I think it was the day of, or day before, um, of the Silver Bridge, of the Silver Bridge collapse in Point Pleasant, which is like the one of the biggest events that's ever happened in that town. Okay. It's a very small town. Yeah. Lovely. Seems pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was point. seen on the bridge, and there's possible photos taken of the Mothman on the bridge just within 24 hours of its collapse. Huh. Was the bridge made of cotton? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was not. Because I could see that. I mean, you know, I wouldn't want him in my closet. No. But all jokes aside, people did die in that collapse. Oh, no. So if you are a relative of them, sorry sorry about that. That's my bad. But that's why people, some some people think that he was like an angel to warn about the bridge. 
because he showed up beforehand and was like, I see. hey, you need to pay attention to this bridge. Something's going to happen. I can't tell you because I'm a Mothman. So like a, like, a, like a warning of impending doom. Right. And then you have the other side of that coin where some people think that he was the one that caused it. Hmm. Again, one thing. Mm-hmm. Big steel bridge. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. But it's weird either way. I feel like it is weird. The, the short time of sightings yes. makes it very believable. Also the frequency of sightings, because there were quite a few. Uh, very detailed. And like I said, they all were the same. That's such a short time span, though. I'm so yeah. surprised. Mm-hmm. But it makes more sense to me than than some of the other creatures that have lived for like centuries. Yeah. And then... Like, literally, like, how long can Loch Ness live? Like, how... Right. Seriously. I mean, there could be other ones, like, making new ones, but, like, it's... They're breeding. Yeah, but that'd be such a small population. Yeah. But this one, he showed up, kind of hung around the town, and then either he bounced or he died. It's an interesting story. And then it's tied to a lot of other things. Um, The Men in Black weave their way into the story a little bit. Do you know about The Men in Black? Obviously not Will Smith, but... No. Different Men in Black. Well, along the same lines. Um, Supposedly, the Men in Black are government agents or of some other order. Not the New World Order. No, maybe the New World Order. Which Uh, That would show up particularly in the 60s, 70s, and then trickle off into smaller and smaller sightings. Um, That would show up whenever anything weird happened... That we would talk about on the show, pretty much. Supernatural, paranormal. Yeah, gotcha. paranormal, supernatural, cryptids, all that kind of stuff. They yep. would kind of pop in. Uh, but the Men in Black would definitely be an episode in themselves. But yeah, so we're, there, was a, there was actually an investigator that came down and was like interviewing everyone that that seen the Mothman, that had accounts of seeing the Mothman. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after his arrival, that's when these Men in Black would show up. And they would kind of tail on him. He's like, what? Who, who are these people? And I, he wrote an entire book on it. I won't give too much away because, like I said, we're going to do an episode on him later. But there's a lot tied in with the Mothman, and Point Pleasant loves the Mothman. Like they yeah. have like a Mothman Day every year, like a festival. Really? Yeah, they have like a statue of the Mothman. It's like a mascot. Yeah. Hmm. Which I mean, it's a small town. Small towns love any any kind of attention they can get in True. a good way, you know. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, especially in that area, negative attention that gets put on on the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. So, get the tourists in, show them a Mothman. Right, it's fun. Like who? Like I'd go to a Mothman festival. Yeah, they have some funnel cake. Take a picture by a statue. Have some funnel cake. <laughs> With the Mothman. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But huh? That's just that's just the the Mothman in a nutshell. There's gonna be a lot more to that. We'll, we'll break out. Yes. Um, let me get the author's name. I'll, I'll at least give you that much. Um, was it he, just somebody from the town? He's got was it somebody who had first-hand accounts? John Keel is his name. Um, okay. And he is a very interesting man from what I've, I've researched about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a World War II veteran. Was a correspondent during that time. He was the Mothman. He, I hope he was the Mothman. <laughs> um, it's his biography. Right. Autobiography. But he he pops up in the town after the sightings. Um, I believe possibly after the sightings actually stopped. Oh. Um, so he, like, he wasn't like in there in the thicket of it. I could be totally wrong about that. I'll let you know. 
but he he pops in to interview take all take this of, all at face value guys. yeah this yeah is, this is just light first episode simple we're just we're just getting comfortable we're just we're just shooting the shit yeah tossing it tossing it around but john keel shows up okay. and he he wrote wrote a book about it um the book has been adapted into a movie which i have not seen there's a mothman movie there is there's actually several mothman movies oh yeah i did not know that yeah i'm behind him on a mothman yeah, it's okay. We'll get you caught up. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to watch yeah. that definitely before... Well, probably all of them before we do the next episode of that. Well, I think only one is, is based off of his book. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, if they're all happen to do with it, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if I want to sit through that many of them. Yeah, I think there's like four. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But they John Keel is also much. the first one that brings these men in black to the public's eye. Okay. Not like ever, he, or just in that in just, that just to case. talk about them in like a public public venue. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's Mothman. That's Mothman. All right. Well, my whole my whole thing this 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 go around was was supposed to be based on these out of body experiences. I went a little bit into the the drug heavy ones, so I'm gonna look into the DMT. Um, and the pineal gland, aka the third eye it's been known or called um dmt is an extract from the pineal gland dimethyltryptamine and it is supposedly used to open your third eye um so we both listen to stuff about about those trips so dmt is is from your brain dimethyltryptamine can be found in everything actually honestly it's it's in every living organism uh, you can you can extract it from a blade of, a blade of grass. Uh, it's in it's in us. They say that that's one one instance. They say that that's what rushes over you when you die. Um, mm. That potential um, life flashing before your eyes thing. That's what causes that. It's also supposed to be what um, what excretes and makes you dream. Mm. Um, whatever vivid dreams or lucid dreams, DMT affects all. Like of you're that. in your REM sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if it's this, like, plentiful, why isn't there, like, a DMT farm? Highly illegal, because it'll mess you up. Um, I was not cool and did not get a video clip of this one yet, just yet. But we'll go, we're going to go back into this later on a little more in depth. Uh, there's there's plenty of, of cited experiences using DMT. Joe Rogan's a huge um, enthusiast of it. Um, just a you know name drop. There's it's it's been around for a long time, and a lot of people have done it and used used it. Uh, but it's supposed to be even even more crazy than LSD acid. Well, from what I've heard, you're you're only supposed to like minutely do this stuff, like uh, what little they call it? Doses. micro dosing. Right. Well, yeah. but I thought microdosing is when you take something in small amounts to essentially either either build a tolerance to it, like a poison. Or you microdose to kind of make a slow high that you have all the time. So it well, so it depends. I, I suppose the the couple that we've that we've heard as far as the DMT goes, you're supposed to jump right into it headstrong. Um, as far as some, the ones we just listened to recently, but I wouldn't know. I've never done it. I've never. I don't even know how you get your hands on the stuff. I don't know who's just on on the streets selling. I can't hit up the, the crack house on the corner. Expensive is dimethyltryptamine. Anybody answer that question for too, us? Too rich for my blood. Yeah, well, and I don't want to do it. That's, <laughs> they say it's like a rocket, like it just shoots you straight up 
an out. But you are only supposed to, to do Bye. it just a very small amount of times. Like, it's not like like weed where people will smoke that every day. No, 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 no. Not a, not a fat bowl or anything. Um, not that I know what that's like. Um, no, it's it's supposed to be so su- super strong. Like, one of the, even more so than LSD, like the most, definitely the most psychoactive, um, psychotropic kind of drug that you can do. Um and all and almost always supposedly causes these out of body experiences or um or these like these what are they called spiritual spiritually transformative experiences um <clears throat> but so it 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 messes with your pineal gland as well, and your pineal gland is really important it's in the middle of your brain it's what produces the only thing in your in your body that produces melatonin. So it controls like your sleep cycle, and if your sleep cycle's off, then then you're off entirely. That's why they have like the deprivation chambers, because light exposure cuts off your your uh, melatonin production. So those those deprivation chambers that you get into and you like float and they're completely pitch black, that's supposed to deprive you of any of that. So you 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 just produce extraneous amounts of melatonin. And that is also a way um, I've heard that that can kind of sometimes produce that that sort of effect, that out of out of body experience. Um, but yeah, the whole what do they call it? The circadian rhythm and your and your vestibular system. You have to break all that down for me. Yeah, big words, million dollar words. Um, but yeah, and and again, that as far as the out of body experience goes and the science related to it my whole thought on it being a little bit more explainable in that regard as far as again if there's something off in your inner ear which which messes with your balance and and almost everything else from that point on it's it gets a little bit easier to understand as far as how that could cause you to not feel right in your right. in yourself any small thing that's off in your head it's going to throw you way off yeah yeah but that's DMT. Uh, ketamine can also do that, which I think that's what special K on the streets, which is I think like used to be used as like a party drug. People are. I've heard. I've I've heard. That, that was new to me. I've heard of a lot of different drugs, but I've not heard of that one. Ketamine. Yeah, that one messes you up too. Um, apparently, it reduces transmission of brain of, of glutamate, and glutamate stimulates the sensations of like illusory movement or uh, leaving one's body so that can also really quickly yeah, it sounds like it targets lead it lead to that sort of thing yeah exactly a lot of them do it you know acid does it too you do you do enough of anything and again you're going to throw off something in your brain and that's you're more likely one in uh one in ten people are said to have to experience one or multiple out-of-body experiences in their lifetime one in every ten people I am not one that has had one. Yeah, definitely. But Josh, who might be a guest host eventually, uh, says he's had one before. He's not told me about it, but we'll we'll save that for then. Guest hosts. Guest hosts, yes. We will be having guest hosts. It won't be just the two of us all the time. Um, There are several people, obviously for right now, just friends because we can't bring on celebrities. Um, Yet. We don't know that. Yet. (laughs) But... Just some more we'll people. Expect people to be on. Uh, we just have the most available schedule at the moment. 
Yes. So we're we are the steady, true hosts, and we'll be bringing on on guest hosts from time to time just to just give their perspective on a little things. expansion, so you don't get sick of us. Good, good little banter. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know. So this is gonna get old. <laughs> right. I hope not. I hope not. So that's the breakdown mm-hmm. of the drugs themselves. But how do they run me through an out of body out of body experience while you're on one of these? So one that I've one that I've listened to again, I didn't get the snippet of it. Um, I should have grabbed that. But there was actually a, what a, a professor who who did a who did a DM who did DMT, and he said that you're supposed to do. He he talk he takes you through how you're supposed to dose it, and he's like, you got to just take one hit and then the second hit, and then you got to have somebody force you to take that third hit because otherwise you're not going to do it. And you're not going to be able to experience it fully. I don't know what that means. I don't know what what the boundaries are as far as that goes. But um, he then goes on like an eight minute, eight minute long spiel about how he. For, so first of all, I can't I can't remember. I think he. I think I might have heard the same one. This is the one that you showed me. Oh. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he like walks through his trip step by step. Exactly. And it's a very short trip. Like at most, it's like ten minutes. But he can recount everything, which is which is strange, in itself, because you wouldn't think that in that state of mind. Well, I feel like a person like that who is trying to be experienced in that might be able to fill the gaps in himself. Well, he's probably taking the steps like dream journaling. They say is a basic one. Yeah. Because um, no one can ever remember their dreams. Maybe but... dabbled in lucid dreaming. Right, and just kind of built upon it, and then. That's how he can kind of this is true. recount this. But yeah, that was a very interesting experience. He talks about like what, like pure beings of light and energy. Um, like little gnomes, him, right? To, yeah, or something like that. He describes something. They shift like three or four times. Yeah. I'll, you know what? Amorphous. I'm going to insert that clip now. ...of data out of it. Um, and what I'll do is uh, I'll describe a DMT trip. And it's, uh, it's a composite of maybe 40 of these trips. And uh, then you can see what you make of it. So this is, I'll just describe it. I'll be the, the graduate student. You be the guy with the clipboard. You're saying to me, so what happened? Okay, here's what happened. You, I took one take. Uh, most people can get off in about three to four hits. Now, there's a trick to it. Hash smokers are greatly favored in this endeavor because you really need leather lungs for this. Uh, the great problem is that people will cough or not be able to hold it in. You take two hits in a situation where you're clothes have been loosened and you can just flop backward uh, when you need to. You take two hits. Now many people miss the point because after two hits you feel completely peculiar. You feel as though your body is undergoing some strange kind of anesthesia. All the air has been pumped out of the room. This is the visual acuity thing I talked about last night. The colors jump up. The edges sharpen. It's uh, and at that point, people say, whoa, wow, it's really coming on strong. And then what you have to do is you have to take one more enormous hit. 
And this separates the intrepid from the casual, believe me. Because most people, and, and the facilitator doesn't want to lean on the person. You say, you know, damn it, take the third hit. And saying, no, I feel completely weird. I know you feel weird, but take the third hit. Well, if you can coax somebody into that, then what happens is you close your eyes and you see the ordinary warm brown back, you know, closed eyelid scenario. And then these colors begin racing together and it forms this mandalic, floral, slowly rotating thing, which I call the chrysanthemum. This is a, a place in the trip that you want to see as you go by it. The chrysanthemum forms and you watch it for like 15 seconds. If it doesn't give way, then you didn't do enough. You have to do more. One more hit usually will do it. Well, then what happens is it like physically propels you through this chrysanthemum-like thing. And you there's a sound like a, a saran wrap bread wrapper being crumpled up and thrown away, you know, that crackle. A friend of mine says, this is your radio intellecti leaving through the anterior fontanelle at the top of your head. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's, it's something is being... Yeah, right, that's what it is. Uh, and then there's this very, uh, very defined sense of bursting through something, a membrane. And on the other side, and this is now, remember, my experience, on the other side, as, as you break through, there's a cheer. There's a, 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 a whole bunch of entities waiting on the other side. And they, you know that Pink Floyd song, the gnomes have learned a new way to say hooray. Well, it's that place. It's those gnomes. And you burst into this space, and, um, and they're saying, how wonderful that you're here. You come so rarely. We're so delighted to see you. And the, one of the things about the MT that's really puzzling is, in a sense, it doesn't affect your mind. In other words, you don't change. For instance, if you take ketamine, the first thing you notice, the very first thing you notice before the trip hits is you notice that you no longer are anxious about having taken ketamine. You just sort of anxiety leaves you. That means it's affecting your mind. It's doing something to the judgmental machinery. DMT doesn't lay a hand on the judgmental machinery. You, you break through into that space exactly who you were before breaking through. And the usual reaction of most people is something like, ah. you know, and you think, God, heartbeat, normal, pulse, normal, everything's normal, yeah, everything's normal, oh, God. Because these things are there, and they're hammering at you. And they come forward. They're like jeweled, self-dribbling basketballs. 
And there are, there are many of them. And they come pounding toward you, and they will stop in front of you and vibrate. But then they do a very disconcerting thing, which is they jump into your body. They jump into your body, and then they jump back out again. And the whole thing is going on in this very high-speed mode where you're being presented with thousands of details per second, and you can't get a hold on... You say, you know, my God, what's happening? And these things are saying, don't abandon yourself to amazement which is exactly what you want to do you just want to go nuts with how crazy this is they say don't do that don't do that pay attention pay attention to what we're doing well what are they doing well what they're doing is they're making objects with their voices they're singing structures into existence these things are, and what they will do is they'll come toward you and then, and you have to understand, they don't have arms, so we're kind of downloading this into a lower dimension to even describe it. But what they do is they offer things to you. Say, look at this, look at this. And as your attention goes toward these objects, you realize that what you're being shown is impossible. It's impossible. It's not simply intricate, beautiful, and hard to manufacture. It's impossible to make these things. The nearest analogy would be to the Fabergé eggs or something like that. But these things are like the toys that are scattered around the nursery inside a UFO or something. Celestial toys. And they are, the toys themselves appear to be somehow alive. The toys themselves can uh, sing other objects into existence. So what's happening is there's just this proliferation of elf gifts. And the elf gifts are moving around, singing, and the whole thing is directed toward... They're saying, do what we are doing. And they're very insistent. They say, do it, do it, do it. And you feel like a bubble... Or, and now this is subjective. I mean, only a, you know five percent report this, but it happens to me. You feel like some kind of bubble inside your body that's beginning to move up toward your mouth, and when it comes out, it isn't sound; it's vision. You begin. To, you, you discover that you can pump stuff out of your mouth by singing, and they're urging you to do this. They say, "That's it." That's it. Keep doing it. And the whole thing is like, you know, we're now at minute 4.5 with this stuff. And uh, you speak in a kind of glossolalia. There's a spontaneous outpouring of syntax unaccompanied by what is normally called meaning. It's sort of, uh, you know, he ding wow wak sap divi get. And this is accompanied by a, a modality, something seen. And they're saying, yes, do it, do it, do it. And then after a minute or so of this, the whole thing 
begins to collapse in on itself and they literally begin to physically move away from you and usually their final shot is they actually wave goodbye and they say deja vu deja vu which makes no sense at all if you analyze it so then you come down and you're now at minute six to seven and you come down and it's like being more loaded than you've ever been it's like about a 700 mic acid trip but you embrace it as totally down you say i'm totally down i mean you look you look like a termite from arturus and the room is decorated in amish quilts but i'm completely back <laughs> And uh, then, over a minute or a minute and a half or so, the room just comes right back together. And, and four minutes after that, some people can give no account of it whatsoever. They just say, you know, I, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me, and I, I can't remember it now. So, yeah, I mean, his, things, his thing about the, the beings of light and, um, and them telling him what what his life is like what what the light what life is about um essentially that's what i feel like most people are searching for is the meaning of life and something beyond this and because mm -hmm. people talk about the the rebirth aspect of it and and even like pre-birth i was looking into some of them have like accounts of of coming of re-experiencing coming out of the womb kind of kind of a feeling no which I so like you get high on this, and when yeah. you start well, to trip... Well, not specifically DMT, but I mean out-of-body experiences in general as far as... Yeah. Oh, but, well, but is that... Or, okay, are you seeing yourself be born? Or are you just experiencing the birth? Because the experience itself could be a, a dream or some kind of dream state. I feel like it could be either of those things and all of those things. Um, a lot of people, when they... In the out-of-body experiences, in, in any in particular... Um, they talk about going through a tunnel or a, or a narrow space in general, which could be maybe, def, you know, when kind of re coming out of that mm -hmm. thing makes sense. Um, but yeah, these, these narrow, these narrow spaces that, that lead out into, you know, pure light or, and that's where some of the religious stuff comes in. They see beings of light or they take it any sort of, any sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there, you could go anywhere from there. The thing that I can't get my head around, obviously I've not had a out-of-body experience or a much simpler Yeah, strangely enough, we're two of the ten that didn't. Right. I can't imagine being myself, seeing myself. Right. Um, as many times as you see yourself in the mirror and pictures of yourself, I, it's just weird to me. Well, I mean, you know that's not right. If you're outside of yourself and you can see yourself in any other, you're not looking in a mirror. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would just wrong. look different. Like it wouldn't, wouldn't look like you, if that makes sense. But well, just how like I was talking about. Before probably we because you're seeing a perspective. Hearing my voice sounds weird. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like when you're talking, you you, you're hearing it, just with your ears, mm -hmm. not through all the filters, cables, and. Everything that goes into digital recording. Definitely. But. And then with out-of-body experiences, you know, it's not like you, when you're looking at a mirror head-on, and you, m majority of the time, see, like, the same type of profile of yourself. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it in a new, 
new perspective. And then people being sometimes able to control that sort of thing with the lucid dreaming and um, you know sleep paralysis and that sort of thing. It's it's kind of kind of crazy that some people know that they can't control it. Other people's end up trying to tame it in a way, being able to like bend it to their will. Now, are we talking about lucid dreaming or sleep or um, not sleep paralysis, out of body experiences? They've been compared on multiple occasions. They some people say that they are the exact same thing. Some people say that they are completely different. I think they're completely different personally, because with lucid dreaming, I've had like two experiences. I'm hoping I can like make it happen more. But they say you'd be careful with it. Of lucid dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. But like with lucid Never dreaming, you can you can make anything happen. So mm-hmm. I. I I don't think that it's the same as having an out-of-body experience, because to me, an out-of-body experience is your body and what we quote-unquote call the real world, and you're seeing it. Whereas lucid dreaming, you're in a dream state. You're, you're able to, to manufacture your own world, kind of. Yeah, I could definitely see in that regard, again, being able to kind of control your surroundings and having that being malleable, as opposed to not feeling in control of the situation. I mean, like, the near-death experiences are the most common. Um, and then, they again, they, they go... Some of the health things about that, they, they say that that can either be due to blood rushing to the head, to the brain, and then just an overwhelming sensation of that, or, or blood, vice versa, being drained from the brain. Like, uh, G-forces. Those are some other, th- some other ones, like, going too fast. G-forces, pilots, and stuff like that. Um, blood draining from that and not being able to necessarily figure out your surroundings at that point um but i mean drowning as far as the the oxygen leaving your blood and all all of these different circumstances that can lead to the same outcome all these weird chemical reactions yeah so many different things which i don't like i don't like when i'm really surprised that we haven't had one in that sense there's so many things that can cause it but luckily I just really don't like when when your brain gets broken down to like it's, it's almost math. It's just like chemicals, and they're like mm-hmm. this amount well, of dopamine makes you happy, and mm-hmm. I'm like it it makes you feel like a formula. Yeah. I'm like no, I'm a person. What a formula I, I'm a random, and I'm going to anarchy. With a soul, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, then you then you then you get into free will and. There's oh god, it's just this could go this could go so many places. Okay. You but speaking of transition from out of body experiences, not being able to control that sort of thing, to lucid dreaming slash uh, sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. I have something on sleep paralysis. That's right. So, sleep paralysis is interesting. Um, again, it gets back into that kind of like chemical breakdown, which I'm not a fan of, but. <laughs> It's just such a strange occurrence. There's, there's weird, unexplainable things that happen with it. See, there's, see, there's this, there's this difference. There's, a, there's, a, there's science people and there's history people. You're a history person. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit. So, a little brief summary with sleep paralysis. Um, there's, there's not an exact cause. Um, doctors have a lot of different things that they think are probable causes to it. Yeah. Um, simple things such as like lack of sleep. Uh, schedule change, which is probably causing the lack of sleep, mm-hmm. uh, mental disorders, uh, to super simple things like sleeping on your back. Just like stressors? Right. Yeah. Um, or just, just kind of how you are physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, substance abuse, 
is another one that people tend to have them more frequently if they're having some substance abuse issues. Definitely. And this is all WebMD, so you can check it. Right on the end, it'll say you're getting cancer. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't WebMD anything. No. That's Sitting in these chairs will give our butts cancer. I'm like, I will go and see a doctor. He can tell me that I'll get cancer from something else later on. I don't want it right now. I'm not going to look it up. Do it while you can. <laughs> but there's two types of sleep paralysis, actually, which oh. was one thing that I learned. Um, there is hypnagogic, which is when you get sleep paralysis when you're falling asleep. So, like, you're right on the cusp of sleep, but then mm. you notice you can't move. Okay. And then there's hypnopompic? Hypnopompic. Hi, 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 hypo. What was the first one? <laughs> the first one is hypnagogic. Hypnagogic. And the second one is hypnopompic. And pompic? that's pompic. Okay. Like Pompeii, pompic. And this is the more commonly thought about one that you wake up, but you're frozen and you can't move, and a lot of people panic. Gotcha. It's what we normally think about with sleep paralysis. I see. Uh, which in part is because the first one is a little less likely to happen. Because um, you're usually, usually, well, I won't say less likely to happen. More like you're less likely to notice it. Yeah. Because you're already in a fully relaxed state. You're trying not to move. You're just trying to relax and get some sleep, man. Yeah. So there might be a brief minute in that, 20 seconds maybe in that, where you can't move, but you're not trying to move, so you don't notice it. Definitely. So that's why... The first one is a little less. Like well, and I've heard of I've heard of different people trying to bring it on themselves by doing certain things, like having your arm at a certain way, and then as you start to doze off, it'll either f it, it can fall and kind of jolt you awake. But the more that you do that, the less the less likely you are to react to it. Yeah, you like and numb yourself. The more likely you are to the outcome of it. Right. Yeah. On the outcome, that's an, that leads me into the next thing. Yeah. So, there's a very weird thing that happens during sleep paralysis from time to time, pretty frequently. What's uh, that? A, lo a lot of people see things, and not like lucid dreaming things. The weird part about it is not so much that they see things, because I would kind of expect that. You know, you're in a weird physical slash mental state. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing is, is the majority of people see the same thing. And it's one of two things. They either see what is called the old hag, which is old like hag. old hag, which is what you would picture like an old witch from like Middle Ages to look like, you know, big nose, warts, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, so there's the old hag, which, like I said, millions, literally millions of people report seeing this old hag. And then the second thing. I didn't even know there were millions of people that had sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah. It's pretty common. Huh. It's pretty common. Um, I think the majority of people, just the majority of people will experience this at least once in their life. Mm hmm. Um, it tends to be more common uh, for people from their teens to their 20s. Okay. Like the most common age range. So we're past that cusp. We're, we're good. We're getting Hopefully. there. Getting there. <laughs> but the other thing that they... So they see the old hag. The other thing they tend to see is sometimes it's called the demon. Sometimes it's called the shadow demon. figure. Uh, basically, it's just a shadowy outline of a, of a man. Uh, usually it's not very descriptive, um, not very detailed, but it's just this like immensely dark, shadowy figure. Kind of amorphous. Mm-hmm. 
and there's a lot of just similar experiences that happen between them that makes it really eerie like why would people in different cultures different parts of the world mm-hmm. experience this same thing yeah like i can understand someone here because you know we still have a little bit of of western european we're in america by the way western <laughs> Euro- <laughs> european like, like that clear middle age culture ingrained in us a little bit so like knights and dragons and all that kind of stuff so like it would be natural for us to think of a witch and think of a witch as scary but then why would someone in the Philippines or Japan have that when they have a totally different culture with totally different representations of that? Well, that there's, like, no control group. Like, there's no, like, if you were to do a test on it, like, people from, that would be completely erratic test results. People from all different walks of life were experiencing the same kind of thing. That's that's crazy. That's what's weird to me about it, yeah. that they experience the same thing. And usually um, with sleep paralysis... It's you get a shortness of breath. Um, some people say they have a, a weight on their chest, and some people say they experience it almost like they're choking. And oh usually it coincides with the hag or shadowy person like sitting on their chest or literally choking them, which is terrifying. Jeez. And I am the religious one in the podcast, and I have a lot of things I could say about demonic stuff that's not cool. Don't mess with Ouija boards. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I've never, I've never pressed my luck on that one either. Good. I'm really glad. Don't do it. Nice. But uh, me personally, with people seeing all these same things, I do feel it's kind of like a demonic presence type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what makes the most sense to me. Yeah. yeah. But either way, it's not cool. And I actually, that leads me into a little story I have my own to share. You've, you've had sleep paralysis? I haven't, and I actually knew about it beforehand, and I tested it to make sure I didn't. So this is a little ghost story of my own. Okay. So I was 20. I was in a trailer renting with two other roommates. We were just close buddies that we worked together and decided to get a place. We'd lived together for like a year and a half now. Gotcha. Um, it was a little tiny room. Me and another guy, and another guy was sleeping like a, literally a foot away from me. It's real personal. Yeah. Yeah. He was the real person. <laughs> <laughs> so. I sleep pretty poorly in general. I always light wake sleeper. up. Yeah, I'm super light sleeper. I wake up like three or four times a night, no matter what. So I'm asleep. I wake up, and because I wake up so frequently, I try not to like completely wake up, because sometimes that'll happen, and then that's it. I'm just up all night long. It makes for a real bad day. So sometimes I'll I'll wake up and I'll just lay there, still have my eyes closed, trying to just just go back to sleep. You know, trying not to kind of feed into it so that way I can get relaxed back and go to sleep. Yeah, get back into your into your right. flow. In the groove. But this time was a little different because I woke up and I hadn't opened my eyes yet so I was trying to go back to sleep, but I felt a pressure. And it was like right above my belt line. And it wasn't huge, but it was that, it was like if someone had their hand there and was just pushing just a little so bit. So not so much the chest, but the stomach. Yeah, and I didn't feel like I was choking or out of breath or anything, but just, just some pressure on my lower sink. I'm like, this is weird. So I open my eyes up, and I see a hand there. Not just a hand, I see like half an arm, basically. It's not your roommate's. No. <laughs> I really hope he wasn't reaching that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Real so, person. <laughs> yeah, no. So it was, it was half of an arm. It was like right above the elbow, and that was all I could see. And it was positioned over me. It wasn't actually pressing into me. It was hovering over like four or five inches. Um, but you could still feel it. Right. 
and it was freaking me out. But I didn't want to act too hastily at first, because I thought I was like, maybe I'm still dreaming. I know about sleep paralysis. I know sometimes people wake up and they still have kind of like a flicker of their dream. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe this is just sleep paralysis. Don't freak out. So like, I move my hand. My hand's just down at my side. I just just move my hand a little bit to see if I could move to see if I was in sleep paralysis. Test it. Right. And I could move my hand. And it was still there. Huh. So you're awake. Well, or at least you're functioning. Right. I'm functioning. And the hand is still there. And I don't want it to be there anymore. You know, that's scary. Yeah, I'm a little freaked out. Right. So I've had a little bit of paranormal experiences before. Um, When I was young, I felt like something was always watching me. I'd go to sleep at night as, like, you know, like, 18 year old kid and i felt like something was like right in my face and this is like opposed to the boogeyman like yeah kid. felt like just something a presence just right there and then there would be some weird things that would happen like hearing footsteps up the stairs and i lived on the second story um so like it was like coming to my room and i'm like that's not cool and then one night i actually saw something physical a my closet door creaked open just like a couple inches and i am i'm like 10 but I'm fed up at this point. I'm tired of being scared all the time. And in true 10-year-old fashion, I just scream, if you're going to do something, do it. If not, leave me alone. Okay. And then all of a sudden, the, the door just slams. And I don't have really any Ooh, experiences. That's not the response you want. And, and no, but I took it as at least it's gone, hopefully. Because I was 10. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, I'm going to hope it's gone. So I didn't really experience anything weird after that. So flash forward, I'm 20. There's still this hand hovering over me. And so my first response is maybe if I like try to act like I have power over it and dominion over it, you know, then it it will go. Squat at it. I did. So once I realized my hand can move and that I was still seeing it, I swung at it as hard as I could. And it kind of it didn't just like instantly disappear. It was like it faded into like like when you tuck your arm into your shirt it was like that except they had an invisible shirt there was no like physical contact though no huh so it like disappeared after i swung at it and i sit up i'm like wide-eyed like what just happened freaking out and i'm like i but i'm still trying to rationalize it like maybe i still was kind of dreaming a little bit yeah and trying to just be as logical as i can about it because i don't feel like waking up anyone being like i just saw a ghost because they're just gonna laugh at me and I look into the corner of the room, and in the corner of the room, we had a little 10-gallon fish tank that we kept our leopard, leopard gecko in. Your liquor in? Our, our liquor, our liquor <laughs> in our gecko. Like Frank gecko. Frank Sinatra gecko. Oh, cool. But, Frankie. Right. But he had a red heat lamp bulb, which, looking back, was probably not the right color to pick. It was a little ominous. But so I swing at this, it disappears, I sit up, I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I look in the corner of the room where the tank was, and the light just slowly starts to fade on and off. On and off for like twenty seconds. And then I almost pissed myself. <laughs> it was kinda like that affirmation of like, you're not dreaming right now, something weird did just happen and it freaked me out. There's a weird energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's just me testing. I thought I maybe had sleep paralysis, but I definitely didn't, and I got a weird ghost story out of that's it. That's more so of a ghost story. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, sleep paralysis does not sound like a uh, walk in the park either. 
No, I'm I'm real good about that. Yeah, I don't like being restricted. No, I'm good. Um, my, I mean, not that it has to do with like sleep paralysis, but as far as the ghost stories or weird energies and the, and the like, my uh, my grandma was telling me a story about how one time she, her grandpa used to smoke a certain kind of cigar. And there was a lot, there was a lot of kids in that generation that they had, there was like eight or nine uh, sisters all in the same house at the same time. But the grand, her, her dad had just died. Um, yeah, her dad. And so he smoked these certain kind of cigars. Shortly after he died, uh, she was sleeping one night. She, she woke up all of a sudden and she heard her, her dad's boots like walking across the hallway because she knew that sound uh i guess he would come in late every once and again but she knew that sound um the door opened and then she smelled that cigar that certain kind of cigar smoke because they're they're pretty you can kind of tell yeah you can distinguish i'm a cigar guy so i can kind of i can tell exactly but um not yeah again not having experienced any of these kinds of things myself that's like the closest in the family that is that has happened like that she didn't nothing had nothing came from it she felt actually a little comforted by it everybody takes it different ways but just a quick little presence yeah you're like oh it's crazy like he's watching over you or something yeah but how the, how we associate those things and yeah nuts. i think people take a lot of liberties oh, yeah. on how they want to associate it and especially of course young. right and of course especially if it's anyone you th- if you think it's someone you know, yeah. I won't say it is the person that you think it is. Uh, I've got my own opinions on that, but I'll save that for a ghost episode. Yeah. When you want to believe. And right. Yeah. You make your own associations. Skeptic in me, man. The skeptic in me. Yeah. 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 Well, that's all the topics to that I had today. That's, well, it's not all I had, but the rest of it's pretty much just uh, regular information. So it's going to be... It's, well, it's to do with the, the out-of-body, exactly. which you're saving for a full-length episode. Yes, we're going to get there. Trust me, and it's going to be a lot more in-depth. There's a lot going on there. But um, for that's for another time. Mm-hmm. That's for another time. This was, we did it. This was pretty, pretty good. It's pretty good so far. I don't think we did too bad. Pretty good banter. I mean, yeah. you could tell us otherwise. Right. You, you the people. Which, by the way, if you would like to contact us, we would love it if you contacted us. Uh, whether it be good, bad, questions. Thrive on feedback. That's, yeah. that's my motto. Topics, if you have anything you want us yeah, to talk about, we would love to hear that. Because, you know, we're here for you guys. Yeah. So we want to talk about what you want to hear. We Definitely. might have our own every once in a while that we force in. But, you know. Yeah. But if you do want to contact us. Always open to suggestions. For right now, you can email us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Okay. One more time creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com remember that guys and there will be a, well they don't have to there'll be a link for it I'm gonna put with with the episode or just so. rewind 20 seconds you can hear you it gotta again. make it easy for people <laughs> man or they just don't want to they don't uh, there will be a companion blog so that way if you wanna see any of the resources videos anything like that pictures of any weird stuff that we find we'll, we'll all put that on the companion blog and all and I will shortly have a Facebook page up for us as well sweet yes and the links for all that we'll have in the show notes I don't know if I'm gonna Twitter or not we'll see Facebook first thing, for sure. Well, besides our actual blog post. So, For right now, email us if you want to contact us. We'd really appreciate it. Like I said, good, bad, stories of your own. Yeah. 
love stories of your own, whether it's aliens, I saw Bigfoot in the woods, the men in black were staking me out. Oh, the more features, the better. Yeah, anything like Definitely. that. You know, we might be able to work in some, some call-ins for episodes. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be really cool. Yeah. If we can oh, get we enough can get in. Rolling. Yeah. yeah. If, if we get enough people in, then we should do like a, a a listener story of the week or something like that. Definitely. We'll come up with a cooler name for that later. Yeah. We'll, we'll come up with like little segues. And Maybe like the C-Files. You know, like Ooh. X-Files, but creepy, creepy campfire creepy files. files. CC files. CC files. Yeah. Yeah, we'll and it makes sense because it's like an email. So CC. That's true. Yeah. All right, a, CC files. Working, there we it's go. It's a working title. Yeah. So that's how you can reach us. Thanks for listening to the first episode. Appreciate it, guys. Right now, they're going to be every other week. Yes. If we can make it happen, if we get enough listeners, maybe we'll switch to weekly. We'll see how schedule goes. It's crazy right now. Jordan's getting married, so he's getting prepped for yeah. that. Yeah. So. Just booked that venue yesterday. For right now, every other week. And until next time, stay toasty. Stay toasty. Thank you.